pose a question to you guys first before we start this. What is improvisation? What's the root of improvisation? Where does it come from? What does it mean? You know, we all improvise. How many people improvise in here? How many people don't improvise so much yet? A few? One? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. That's why you're here, right? Good, good. All right, so <clears throat> what does the word improvisation mean? Who knows? What do you, th what do you think it means? It's uh, be able to Adapting, reacting, that kind of thing. What else? What do you think? Expanding on ideas. Expanding on ideas. Okay. Concepts. Concepts. Okay. What else? In the, in the red shirt here. Creating something on the spot. Mm-hmm. Creating something on the spot. What else? Back there, what do you think? Communicate. Communicate. What else? Telling a story. What else? Where do you think? Where do you think the word comes from? What do you think it really, really means at its, as, as its essence? What do you think? Right here. What? To improve. To improve. Okay. Those are el those are elements of improvisation. <clears throat> well, I was looking it up the other day. I was looking up uh, some different words online, and I came across a section of of roots of words, like Latin roots of words. And does anybody know the Latin root of improvisation? It goes way, way back. It's a word named uh, called improvisio. And the root of improvisation, the root of that word literally means the word surprise. The Latin root of that word, improvisio, means surprise. Okay? And when I saw that, it made a lot of sense to me. You know, improvisation is so many different elements, but at its core, at its basic core, the reason I think that improvisation has survived and thrives, and so many people do it in so many different ways, as many people that improvise, are as many ways that you can improvise. Because no two people will ever sound alike, ever. I mean, you can work on your John Coltrane licks or Sonny Rollins licks uh, or, or, or Freddie Hubbard or Clifford Brown or whoever, but you'll never sound like those people. And why is that? Why do you think? Anybody? Why do you think? Each person plays their own way. How come? Definitely each person plays their own way, but why? One person might like one thing than another. One person like, might like one thing more than another, right. And expand upon that. What else? Each person thinks differently. Each person thinks differently, right. And each person is different, right? 
everybody's gonna have a different experience with things. Like you may hear a record and you go, oh, I love this piano solo. And somebody else may hear it and go, man, I didn't so much dig that piano solo. Okay, so I come back to something that Ornette Coleman said one time, which is that all listeners are equal in their opinions. And that's a really important thing to remember, especially with improvisation, especially when you're working on things and listening to things, that somebody may think that it's the greatest thing ever, and somebody else may think it's crap, you know? So who's right? All listeners are equal in their opinions. So it validates one and validates the other at the same time, so it invalidates them both at the same time as well to me. So it's very much an individual process, and, and you're exactly right. Everybody thinks differently. Everybody has different experiences, so they're always going to sound different. You see what I mean? And so that's one of the reasons that improvisation, I think, has, has survived also, because it is about individuals. It is about finding a unique voice. Okay, and at the, and at the root of all that is the word surprise, which I think is just one of the most beautiful things ever. When I hear Miles, Improvise. He's surprising me. Wayne Shorter is always surprising me. Sonny Rollins is always surprising me. People who I really love to listen to, you know, and I can hear gypsy music also. I can hear like brass band gypsy music or Indian music um, or, or African music. That's a surprise, a continual surprise to me. And, uh, and so that made a lot of sense to me when I heard that. Made a whole lot of sense to me. And all these other elements are in there, but all those are, are elements of, of somebody surprising you also. I went and heard Joe Lovano last night. Uh, with Paul Motion and Bill Frizzell at the Vanguard, the Late Show. And uh, I was surprised at every moment, every moment. I heard Michael Moore before that, uh, a really wonderful saxophonist from Amsterdam, uh, playing all Bob Dylan tunes. He was playing clarinet, bass, clarinet, alto sax. Uh, it was acoustic bass and drums. And again, surprises all night long. You know, so that's one of the elements that New York has also, is that, that there's, there's great improvisers everywhere in the world, but there's a concentration of them in New York, it's almost like when you get like essential oils in a little jar, right? Rather than having like a field of lavenders, you may have a little bottle of lavender oil that's this big and you smell and you go, wow, it smells like that entire field, okay? And so New York is concentrated like that. So you can go anywhere and be surprised at any moment. And it's not just through music either. You can go outside and walk around and be surprised by the things you see, the things you smell, the things you hear. All these different elements have to come into, into your art also. Because if art truly imitates life, then there can be no division between those things. Okay? So again, all these elements of improvisation you're talking about are all very, very valid. But try to remember also that at the core of the word, it means surprise. Okay? And so that, to me, uh, really gives me a lot of permission as, a, as an improvising musician to try really anything I want to try. Because my job as an improviser is to try to surprise somebody, you know? And most of all, trying to surprise myself. Because as, as we all know as impro improvisers, that as we work on things, we all get tired of what we play. You know, we're gonna play like certain licks sometimes over a certain tune that we've played. Like with the Flectones, I've played some of those tunes almost a thousand times. Almost a thousand times, you know? And so the job then is to bring an element of surprise to that, is to bring an element of improvisation to that that's unique. You know, if we're playing in a particular key, I don't want to be playing the same thing I played the last time, of course. I want it to be different every time, and it can be if you're in that moment, if you're really thinking about it. Yes? Jeff, do you have parameters put on you, like in the band, uh, if you're doing a signature line? Mm-hmm.
away from that line? Um, what's the level of you know expectations of staying true to the code? Um, well, you're asking if if there's if there's a particular line that's supposed to be played, can we kind of move away from that, break away from it? Part of it depends on if it's a melody line or not. Uh, the interpretation of a melody line can can um, can pull slightly in some ways. It might be an articulation thing. It might be uh, um, an elongation of the phrase. Could be any number of different things. But usually, um, usually with the flectones, those those elements are um, the parameters of them aren't quite so wide uh, because a lot of times it'll be a unison line or there might be a round that we're playing. Um, might be a line that I'm playing with Vic. Uh, so if there's more than one person playing it, then it, it, it really has to be pretty succinct. Um, but we can do it on background lines. Like if I'm, if I'm playing something, there's a, um, there's a number of tunes that, that Vic and I play lines with one another behind things, um, or that Bela's playing something behind me, and it'll get morphed in that respect, for sure. Um, so there's, there's a lot of freedom within it, but there's also a lot of composition in that music uh, that we have to adhere to. Um, so there's, there's, there's a little bit of leeway, but uh, not as much as, uh, you know, if you were doing, like if you listen to Wayne Shorter, uh, and he's playing part of a melody uh, of a tune that, he's, that they're out there playing, you can hear how he really stretches it and morphs it and goes up and sideways and around it and, and attacks it from almost every angle. Um, uh, gives a real different kind of three-dimensionality to the way that, to that approach. You know, and uh, uh, so there's many, many, many approaches to that. Um, but for us, it's it's a little different. Yeah, for us, it's a little bit, a little bit more uh, constrained in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, so any questions about uh, um, what I played? Um, different things that you thought about while I was playing. Um, uh, questions about technique. Uh, questions about articulations. Uh, tone, different things like that. Anybody have any questions before we move on to some of these sheets here? Zero questions. Yes? Can you talk about breathing exercise? Special breathing exercise. Well, funny you should ask that. I was actually born with two lungs. <laughs> uh, no, nothing, nothing in particular. That's actually a really good question because what, what I do uh, what I do as, as uh, a wind player, I breathe for a living, you know, and, and most people, they don't have, like piano players don't have to breathe, quote unquote, to play their instrument. Um, uh, but as a, as a breath player, um, I do work on different things. You know, I think about where I breathe from also. Um, I went through some real severe neck problems almost 15 years ago. I was blowing out these muscles, the pharyngeus and laryngeal, so I was herniating these muscles. And so for a year, I had to wear an ace wrap every time I played, and, uh, which was horrible, you know? And, uh, and so what I, had, what I had found out is that these muscles in my neck, they were like steel bands on this side, on both sides, because I was pushing from my neck rather than supporting from here. I would gotten into some bad habits playing-wise. So I really started to revamp what I was doing. I went back to, to, to just the basics, because you know, I, I had decided that it was either healed or I was done playing, because I just couldn't do it anymore. I was getting pain. Uh, I, I had air leaking out of my nose also when I was playing, and it was a really bad situation. So I kind of like just stopped everything, and I went, let's get back to the basics, which is breath, okay, and breath support. So when I breathe, if you watch my belly when I breathe, 
you see that I breathe from here. Okay, and my belly expands all the way around. I feel it in my back also. Rather than breathing from the chest, which is a much shallower breath, I'm trying to fill up the bottom part of my lungs, okay? So that's where my breath is coming from, is down here. And, and also, when, uh, if you've taken any yoga, they talk about that same breath. It's called a yoga breath. And so when I, ex when I inhale, my belly is very soft, right? So when I can push, when I can push on it, it's just very, it's very open, okay? But when I push out, it's very firm. And what I think about is that there's an area, like right below your rib cage, where your ribs are coming down like this, and if you made a triangle out of that, it becomes a wedge, okay? And the triangle in nature is one of the strongest forms that's out there, in architecture also. It's a very, very strong form. And so that's what I call, that's what I call a wedge breath. And there's trumpet players that talk about a wedge breath also, and I think that's what they're talking about, but that's what I call it also. And so that's, that's where my strength and my core of support comes from, okay? I'm breathing low and supporting right, right in the middle of my body, okay? So as far as breathing exercises, I'm exercising all the time. I've had some x-rays done. I, I went to India last year. When I came back, because of all the pollution, I just had a really bad time breathing. And uh, so I had x-rays done to make sure it wasn't TB or something really strange like that. But they had to do two x-rays because my lungs were so long they couldn't get them on one. And, uh, and so I think that just kind of confirmed that I'm breathing correctly. Because we don't usually use all of the capacity of our lungs. And I was at a, a, trombone, player's friend, a trombone player friend of mine's house uh, um, about a week or so ago. And he has a, a machine that you can, you can breathe into. And it tells you the volume of air that you're getting. Right, and it goes up to like 5,000 or five, does anybody know what that is? Like 5,000 something or others? What? Yeah, maybe that's it. But it was, you know, I mean, I was off the chart. I mean, I could have gone way higher on it. And so that tells me that I'm breathing correctly, okay? So as far as exercising, yeah, when I'm playing phrases, when I'm thinking about playing softly um, and supporting, I'm exercising all the time like that. <clears throat> But if you meditate also, you can work on breathing exercises. You can work on really uh, controlling your in-breath and your out-breath. Uh, and it's, it's much more difficult than most people think that it is at first. Um, because you're really, you're, your body wants to breathe at its natural pace. But slowing that down um, is a really good thing to do. It's, it's really good to be able to control that in-breath and that out-breath. And so as a saxophonist and flute player, clarinet player also, those things uh, are all things that I am very conscious about all the time. Yeah. Did answer your question? Good. Yeah, that's a good question about, about, about breathing, talking, and thinking about breathing also all the time. Yeah. Any other questions before we talk about some other stuff?
I first started uh, playing Yamaha saxophones when uh, a bunch of you guys came out to one of the, the Flectones gigs with Bela Fleck and the Flectones. And you had called me and said, oh, you know, we got these new horns that I'd like you to check out. And I told you guys that I was playing Selmers at the time, Mark Sixes, and uh, um, that I wasn't really so interested in switching around and trying uh, a bunch of other horns. And uh, I remember I was, I was talking with you, Kurt, and, and you said, uh, well, how come? And so I said, well, no offense. I said, but I'll be real honest with you. I said, I feel like in the past I haven't been able to get the character out of the Yamahas that I wanted or the depth of sound and um, to really be able to find my own voice and put a lot of air through the horns. And, and you, were, you were in agreement with a lot of these things. You said, well, you know, I, I, I can see what you mean on those, and, and, but these new horns are, are a totally different design. And, and, uh, maybe we could bring them by and you could check them out and at least give us some suggestions on them. So I said, well, sure, you know, come on by. Definitely come out to the show if you want and, and come hang out. And so you brought them out and <clears throat> they all had lacquer on them. And, and I'm not a big proponent of lacquer on horns. And, and so I tried them and I thought there was some, I was very surprised, first of all, that they were Yamahas because they had played like no other Yamahas I had played. And one of the things that I had said to you was that what if you were to make these horns without lacquer, really allow the metal to breathe and to respond and resonate uh, without having lacquer on it? Um, so I made some suggestions, again, thinking that like you guys were definitely on to something at this point. And so about a month later, um, you called me back. I was going to be up in Grand Rapids uh, with the Flectones. And you said, uh, uh, you know, this is Kurt, and we have, uh, you know, those horns you tried out. We, we dipped them for you to try out again. And uh, I said, well, what do you mean you dipped them? And, and you said, well, we, you know, we took the lacquer off them so you could try them without lacquer. Which really, uh, like I've told you before, really stunned me that you did that. I was very, um, um, I would say honored would be the word uh, that I would use, that, that you would take that suggestion and, and run with it to try these different ideas. And so you brought them by uh, the venue. And I think there were, there were three or four of those horns. And the one that I'm playing now is one of those horns. And I was just, I was totally knocked out by it. And plays great all the way down, all the way up through Altissimo. Um, I find that I can really concentrate on what I want to play rather than trying to get the sound out of the instrument. And like I've said before, I think you guys have replaced the Mark VI. I really do. I've got two beautiful Mark VI's at home, tenors and an alto, and I hardly ever play them anymore. Like people call me up to study and I encourage them also to take lessons with other people. You know, if there's a saxophone player that wants to study with me, I'll encourage him to take a lesson with a piano player also. Or a drummer. You know, to talk about harmony, to talk about rhythm. Take a, take a, a lesson with a bass player to learn about bass lines. 
in how to form bass lines and, and to be able to walk bass lines as a saxophone player. Okay, these are all different elements of improvisation that are very, very, very important to know about. Um, so the first one, uh, the first sheet let's talk about it says take your improvisation to the next level uh, with just 10 simple tips. And these are just, again, concepts and ideas. The first one is where am I right now? And this is a very important one. You know you're playing better than anybody else. You could come to me for a lesson, or you could go to Stefan for a lesson, or Joe Lovano for a lesson, or whoever, <clears throat> and you're still going to know you're playing better than any of those teachers. And why is that? Why do you think? Because you've seen yourself play the most. Yeah, you're around your own playing all the time. You know how you play in every situation. You know what you're comfortable with, and you know what you're uncomfortable with. Okay, so where am I right now? Being honest with yourself, covering the basics, strengths and weaknesses. And this is something that I really recommend as far as strengths and weaknesses. Take a sheet of paper and write out five strengths and write out five weaknesses. Just start there, just five of them. <clears throat> and I can guarantee you can find more than that. I could certainly come up with a whole lot of stuff in, in, in weaknesses column and in strengths column. But start with five. And be honest with yourself. You know, if, if you need work on scales, write it down in your weaknesses column. If you have a good tone, put it down over there. It's not about ego, it's about being honest with yourself, okay? If you still like, feel like you have these things to work on, put them in both columns sometimes. And then when it's time to practice, you're like, oh, well, well what do I work on? Well, there you go. I mean, you have five things right there in your weaknesses column that you can start to, to kind of chip away at. You know, you can uh, um, kind of sculpt away at them and, and figure out how to best uh, get those into your strengths column. When you're practicing, and we'll talk about this a little bit also, <clears throat> you have to be working on things that you're not very good at. You know, otherwise you're just kind of regurgitating the stuff that you already know how to do. And uh, not only are you not getting any better, uh, but you're not, you know, you're not helping yourself as an improvising musician, you're not helping yourself as an improviser, and you're not helping those people around you that you play with. You know, because that's part of your job also, is to get better for the people that you're playing with, to inspire others also through that, okay? Um, so number two says, where do I want to be in the future? Giving yourself timetables and goals. This is short-term and long-term goals. And this covers, this also gets back to the strengths and weaknesses. Uh, if Let's say, for example, you're a young student and you want to be working on all your major scales and all your major modes. Well, you may say, okay, by the end of this month, I want to have all my major scales at 100 beats per minute, memorized, all 12 keys. Okay, that might be a short-term goal. You may say, okay, by this time next year, or in six months, I want to have all my major scales, all my modes together, and have all my major scales in thirds. Okay, so by giving yourself these little landmarks to go after uh, and to strive for, you give yourself um, a direction, if you will, to, uh, to take in your practicing, uh, in your technique, in your improvisation. You may say, I want to know uh, 10 standards by the end of X month, you know. By next year, I want to have 25 standards under my fingers and know, know them and uh, uh, be able to go out and play them in a jam session. Um, you may say, okay, I want to do this tune, this tune, and this tune in all 12 keys. But be reasonable about it also. Like, think about how much time you have to work on things and give yourself goals that you can accomplish. 
because it's it's really good to be able to accomplish stuff also. It makes you feel good, makes you feel like you've actually done something and you've worked towards something and that journey has gotten you to that particular point. So timetables and goals are, are two very important things and I would recommend writing those out also. Um, and as we go along with this too, if there's any questions, please just throw up your hand and, and, and we'll get to it, okay? Um, and how do I get there? Uh, developing lifelong practice habits, okay? Um, this is, there's another sheet in here also that, that uh, is got practicing tips, and so we'll run over that also. Um, so I'm going to go on to number four from that, but we'll cover the whole idea of, of how to practice also. Um, number four says tradition, uh, imitation versus individuality. It says follow the line, not the style. And by this, what I'm talking about is the spirit of the music. You know, when I, when I listen to Roland Kirk, or when I listen to Ornette Coleman, when I listen to Louis Armstrong, when I listen to John Lee Hooker, uh, when I listen to Srinivas, uh, the Indian mandolin player, um, uh, when I listen to Umu Sangare from Mali, um, any number of different people, it's the spirit of the music to me that really attracts me to that music. And to me, those musicians are, are no different than one another. They play different styles of music. But what is it that draws me to their music? It's the heart. It's the spirit of what they bring to it. It's the willingness to explore um, even when I listen to, to Alan Lomax recordings, you know, the, the uh, uh, prison work songs, there's stuff from Sicily, there's, um, um, there's music from different regions of uh, uh, Galicia, Galicia in, in Spain, all these different musics from around the world that, that he went and recorded uh, doing field recordings. And I call that music of necessity. Music to me that seems like it had to be sung or played uh, or put out there. And so there's a particular spirit to that music that I listen to and I gravitate towards. I hear field recordings out of Africa also. Some of the first world music that I ever heard uh, was field recordings out of the Congo with these little kids that were singing and, and obviously dancing to what they were singing. <clears throat> and I was completely knocked over by it. I had never heard music like this before. And again, it was that spirit, it was that joy and, and that, uh, that inspiration that was in that music that, that really captured me. And that's what still captures me to this very day. When I listen to Aretha Franklin or, or, or uh, uh, Otis Redding or Marvin Gaye, I hear the same thing. And so that's what I'm listening for. I'm listening for that when I hear young musicians play also. I listen for it when I hear older musicians play. You know, Paul Motion last night, he's not even playing the drums anymore. He's on a whole different place. You know, so that's, that's the kind of stuff that I'm listening for. I want to be inspired by, by what I listen to. I want to hear music that seems like it's necessary to be put out there. <laughs> 